Hi, I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. We're board-certified plastic surgeons and hosts of the podcast Forever Young. Join us every Tuesday as we share the latest products and procedures in the never-ending quest to help our patients look and feel their very best. The world of cosmetic surgery is constantly improving. Join us on the cutting edge. Forever Young is available wherever you get your podcasts. The following content is not suitable for children. Secrets. Do we share them or keep them to ourselves? What do you think, Lori? Good question. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Tough week, Lori. You know, those kids being shot down in Texas, I think it's, when you see innocents slaughtered for no reason, I think it rocks, rocks the whole world, not even our country. I know it. Yeah, this is, this is a tough time for our world. The hits just keep on coming. Yep, we've had a pandemic and now there's war. And now something like this, you know, our, our brains just can't take it all in. You know, we're, we're overwhelmed. People are shutting down. It's just too much, too tragic. Yeah. As a therapist, I think we all pride ourselves on trying to work with whoever shows up in our office and try to open up a space. And, you know, I was scratching my head thinking about if, if this kid who's the murderer came into my office, like, how would I, how would I try to understand what's going on in that head that would cause him to do? I mean, I can get not giving it permission. Now, if you like hate a group and you want to kill someone in a group or you want money and you rob somebody or you rape somebody you want, like, I don't understand killing little kids. Like, what did what did they possibly do mm-hmm. that would get somebody into that that headspace? Yeah, it's almost like the the rage at the world. It's like I want I want the world to hurt as badly as I hurt on the inside. Is what I kind of got. Yeah, well, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. That. You know, when you have this whole secret in a world that no one knows, you have all this rage and all this pain and mm-hmm. you have nowhere to go with it, mm-hmm. right? That somehow that that rage and that anger, that need to control kind of manifests itself in, in you know, this evil act yep. of taking out little lives. Yeah. You know, I, I read something by Nadia Boltz Weber and I just it struck me as more hopeful like you know we can't take in everything we our brains and our nervous systems were wired to handle a tiny part of the world our own village and now with the news we hear about tragedies and horror everywhere all at once mm-hmm. you know and it's It's frying our brains. There's so many problems. And kind of her point was, you know, ho, you're It's like, where where are you called? Where is your place to make a difference in the world? We may not be called to do everything. I, I know that you are helping the therapists in the Ukraine. And 
you know, frankly, it's like an enormous gift. And I worry about you a little bit taking in all of that. You know, I, I know that there's just inhumane things that they're dealing with and that you're listening to them dealing with. And I mean, there, there's just only so much we can take in. But I would like to encourage people. Maybe there's there's one place you can make a difference. You know, whatever you feel like your calling is or whatever you feel like is set before you. Maybe it's something really small. Maybe it's just being kind to your neighbor. You know, maybe it's speaking to somebody in a kind way because there's such a shortage of clerks. Maybe it's just being patient. You know, maybe that. Maybe it's just something small that you can give back to the world in love. We need it right now. I mean, somehow or another, this boy that murdered these children you know, I, I don't want to excuse it. I think it's horrendous, but there was something that was terribly wrong inside and he didn't get what he needed, you know. He didn't get the help he needed. Well, there's always trauma. There's always something going on underneath. But when you're in so much pain, it becomes all about you. You become pretty self-centered and selfish. Yeah. When you're selfish and focusing on your pain all over, all the time. You're not empathetic. You really don't get other people. Other people become objects, right? Mm -hmm. So you can see how people's pain pushes them in a direction of not, you know, to me, that's not being human once we lose our empathy, right? And it's, it's sad that, that that's what happens to people that endure so much pain. So, but to your other comment, when you just hear and the world is soaking in all these stories, that's what leads to burnout or what we call compassion fatigue. When you just absorb stories and there's nothing you can do with them, right? And it just kind of weighs us down and burdens us. I think the key is having success. You know, when I'm able to listen to these stories of therapists in the Ukraine, my ability to listen and to kind of give them some pointers or whatever we wind up doing, when they feel a little relieved from sharing their story from it being witnessed i get a sense that what i was doing was helpful mm-hmm. right when your work leads to feeling like you're contributing and you're part of something it doesn't lead to burnout mm-hmm. and that's why i love the advice that that you just gave is like do something that makes you feel like you're making a difference if you do you won't get oppressed by this stuff Right, But if you just absorb it and absorb it and you don't do anything with it, it's going to suffocate you. And I think, sadly, that's what's happening. You know, we get so much saturation with the media covering these things we don't do anything about that people just start to get wiped out by this stuff. Exactly. And I think doing something makes us feel less powerless. And and I still believe, you know, the darkness cannot overcome the light. Right. It's like we have to be a light wherever so we that's, are. That's our hope. Do something. Don't just watch these things and feel, allow that pain or that sadness or that fear to motivate something. If you get involved, even if it's just to talk to someone else about it, you know, and that exchange makes both people feel less alone. We can find connection in all of these, all the adversity. Yeah. And I think that's the design. What's happening, we sit at home and watch TV by ourselves. We're getting all the exposure, but none of the connection, none of the success that could come from that, like in these little villages. Right, exactly. 
Mm. Well, we've had some people write in questions about secret keeping and behavior that seems suspicious. And I, I just thought for a Q&A, maybe we could talk about this a little bit and see if we can help them about what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to look at it as like a, a balance between on one side, our right to privacy that we all have. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is holding secrets, right? The secrets take energy to kind of keep locked away. And secrets can so easy trigger betrayal mm-hmm. and a, a lack of trust. So like, how do we hold that tension that, you know, we have a right to our own privacy. Mm-hmm. And is that privacy going to impact our relationship? Is it take a lot of our own energy in kind of hiding things from our partner? Yes. And I agree. That's the tension is what is mine to have in my mind, in my world that is private. And then what is a secret? I, I suppose in therapy, I think about secrets as a negative thing, something that would be outside of my agreement with my partner. So mm-hmm. if I'm holding a secret, you know, and I think people have sometimes have to kind of battle this out. Well, I thought it was a private thing. I thought I was allowed to have this. And their partner's like, no, we had this agreement. This is how I saw our, our agreement. So we have a listener who has written about affairs and says, you know, not all affairs are discovered. What about if I'm having an affair? Do I, do I have to tell my spouse this? What if I had an affair long ago? Should I tell my spouse that? And I mean, I think he's really asking about this, this place of what is mine that is private and what is mine that is a secret that might impact the foundation of my relationship. And there is lots of room here for different ways of doing it. You know, I know a lot of my European friends, sometimes the cultural influences are a little bit different. And, you know, some people, that consent that you're talking about, even if it's implicit, I think, you know, tacit, if you're in a relationship and it's like, you know, my partner really doesn't want to know, doesn't care, I'm going to have something on the side. I think that becomes very confusing when you don't have an agreement. Mm-hmm. As a therapist, our stance, and not coming from a judgmental place, but it's saying we have a ton of success when people share secrets, when they're able to kind of, because those secrets take both people to the depths of hurt and pain and trust. I mean, it's the heart of a relationship. So couples who can learn to find themselves in these places can repair We've worked with thousands and thousands of couples who've shared secrets and have been stronger afterwards. I right. haven't worked with that many couples that keep secrets to themselves and, and, and create strong relationships in keeping the secret. I think that's why therapists kind of go in the direction of wanting to disclose, wanting to share, because you can work through those things. You can repair. The key to any relationship is an ability to repair. But if you can't even talk about it, how are you ever going to repair it? Right. And, you know, and an affair is, it's complicated, the reason people have affairs, but many times it's about them not feeling like they can get their needs met 
in their primary relationship. So, of course, there is something that needs to be talked through in the primary relationship. And, I mean, I think the risk is, of course, that they're not going to feel necessarily good if their ethics says, I've made a promise about this, about Mm -hmm. fidelity, but I have to do this because it's, I mean, that becomes a compromise to their own ethics. And then, of course, they risk their partner's pain and betrayal if their partner does find out. But even if they don't, the person who's having the affair, they have a conscience. They know whether or not there's an agreement. I mean, certainly there are people who have other arrangements, right? There are people who have polyamorous arrangements who openly say, you know, this is an open marriage. But for people who are in monogamous arrangements, even if there's tacit permission, I I think there's something about hiding that makes it a secret that is problematic. Mm-hmm. So should I tell my partner about an affair I am having? I would probably say yes. If you want the partnership, if you want to feel congruent and you want the partnership to be stronger, absolutely. I agree. I, I think the illusion is I'm going to protect myself and protect my partner from the pain. Mm-hmm. And in the short term, But the costs of doing that is you lose parts of yourself that you could bring into the relationship and your partner loses parts of themselves. So if you're in a sexless marriage and, you know, you've tried to bridge the distance and that's not working and you go outside the marriage and your partner seems to, you know, not care and not like that could be working. But think of the toll that that's taken keeping that to yourself, not knowing if that's right or wrong, your partner not knowing what's happening, wouldn't it be easier to just talk about it? Mm-hmm. If your partner says, you know what, I, I want you to keep doing that. It takes some pressure off me and we're going to continue to partner a parent well. Like, I think making that explicit frees both people up mm-hmm. from the insidiousness of what's going underneath. Right. They change their agreement that mm-hmm. way. And I mean, that is a possibility. Don't you think feeling is everything in the bedroom, George? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Uberloop was created with sex in mind, and it really reduces friction, which is not good, and it kind of increases that sense of sensation. I, I think what is beautiful about it is it lets skin feel skin. Ooh, so good. Not only does it feel good, Lori, but it's good for your body. It's recommended by doctors everywhere. Yes, and it's used by people with sensitivities. I love the bottle. It's clean. It's sophisticated packaging. And it's also, it's produced here in America. It's developed and produced in Chicago. That's a cool thing. But I think what I really want people to get a hold of is this is something they should use at the beginning of the sexual experience and throughout. It makes sex better. Who don't want better sex, Lori? Find Uberlube at uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay for 10% off. Y'all, you know I am about vibrators for pleasure for couples. And Dame Products has a new vibrator called Eva. It's a hands-free vibrator. And it kind of stays between you and your partner, which is really cool when you're having intercourse. And it is a serious buzz. It helps even the most sexually motivated couples to really enjoy themselves better. And sex, you know, has to be enjoyed by both parties. That's what makes it hot. 
Go to dameproducts.com and use the coupon foreplay for 15% off. Another cool thing that they've done is they've developed a suction vibrator, which kind of does like thrilling pulses of air and this soft seal around your clitoris. So it's really perfect. You can use it by yourself or you can use it with your partner. And it's also waterproof. How cool is that? To keep it hot, go to dameproducts.com. Use the coupon foreplay for 15% off. Have some fun. Hey, Lori, as a sex therapist, you know how important confidence is. And certainly you can see in all the couples you're working with how stress, anxiety, having a bad day can really ruin a man's performance. The good news, bluechew.com is here to help. I do see this as so important, that confidence that he's going to perform. I mean, even if it's just in his head, using Blue Chew, it's the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. I really think this will help him sort of know, okay, it's going to be a good night. Who don't want a good night? And BlueChew.com is such a cool online service. There's no awkward visits to the doctor's office or waiting in line at the pharmacy. And the package gets shipped discreetly to your front door. Who can beat that? And, you know, I really think this is so important because men can get embarrassed about even asking their doctors. But this, you actually work with a licensed medical provider when you go onto their site. These are chewable tablets, easy peasy. They ship it to you directly. It's cheaper than the pharmacy. You can even get free with our first promo code foreplay. Can't beat that. That's bluechew.com, promo code for play to receive your first month free. What about this question that this listener asks, but should I tell my partner about an affair that happened long ago, even though the marriage is restored and good now? Yeah, that's... That's a dicey one. It's dicey. I mean, if it's not really impacting the relationship, if it's something... If it's ongoing, if you still have feelings about the person, it's still impacting the relationship. You know, if it was a one night stand 30 years ago, you've never seen the person again, never thought about the person again, I still would encourage to share. And I mean, I know I've had a lot of couples share old experiences and yes, it hurts, but couples wind up being able to talk about it, make sense of it, do something with it. And they wind up building stronger trust after sharing. So again, I, yeah. I lean in that direction. Yeah, I, I worked with a couple and the wife had been suspicious about some young woman that he had been working with and asked him about it. And he said, categorically not. I did not have an affair with that woman. But over the years, she just always felt like he had and asked him about it over time. You know, are you sure you didn't? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, then... 30 years later, it comes pouring out. And the problem is that he lied multiple, multiple times over 30 Mm -hmm. years. You know, she knew, she knew in her heart, she knew in her body, something's not right here. And they actually had a wonderful life in Mm -hmm. many, many ways. And they had great sex. I mean, really, really great sex. But it was this... You know, now 30 years later, maybe it was 40 years later. I mean, they'd been married a long time and it it was just tearing at the fabric of their union because of the multiple lies that he had told about it. You know, if he had just said like right in the beginning, yes, I am, they dealt with it, been done with it, the the strength, the, the sense of I have whole cloth 
between us, mm-hmm. you know, all these other years that he was not cheating with her would have been stabilizing. But then it was like, I, I, you know, she was just like, I can't even trust this because even though it happened so long ago and it was a short lived thing, all these years I've worried and been suspicious. And I don't know. I've been amazed all these years of doing this, the wisdom of intuition that the partner on some level knows something, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing how accurate it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I think people don't recognize that. If you're the person that has done, committed an affair and you're keeping it secret, you think your partner doesn't know and you want to keep the safety, you know, and what's the cost of that to you and the partner? So in the example you're given, Lori, like the cost of carrying that for 30 years, finally he, he shared because he wanted to be free of that burden, right? And yes, it's traumatic for the partner hearing who at some level always knew, but now they could actually kind of clean it up. They can deal with that mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of go into their graves with that still kind of lingering. Yeah, You know, to me, it feels like shackles. That's what kind of lies and secrets do to us. They kind of keep parts of us cut off and hidden, you know, and, and the secret to any relationship is high levels of engagement. It's hard to engage when you have to kind of take parts of you and compartmentalize them and push them aside. So I'm like you, I don't, I, I'm biased towards sharing because I have seen so many breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. I have so much confidence that a couple that loves each other can figure it out and become a different couple through these conversations. Right. Right, exactly. Sue Johnson, our mentor, talks about secrets being a ticking time bomb in the basement of your Mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. That it's just who knows when it's going to go off. But you always gotta worry about that bomb kind of destroying your foundation. Yeah. And this this listener argues, you know, affairs are not always discovered. But I think you're talking about a psychic tension mm-hmm. of the bomb in the basement. It it could come out and even if it even if you're really great at hiding it, you know it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, so the way you interact with your partner, it's going to be different. It's going to be changed. And there's a reason you're doing what you're doing, right? There are needs not being met. In this case, you're not having sex in your marriage. Right. right? How is that ever going to be addressed? Sometimes it's the affair that kind of blows things up for people to get to the heart of the marriage, the heart of the problem, right? Not talking about it's not going to lead to that. Yep. Yep, there's going to be... I mean, that is an outcome sometimes. I don't think it's, you know, I think there's less painful ways to get to that outcome than an affair blowing up. But sometimes affairs, when they're processed in the relationship, there is serious change. That's exactly right. They are the impetus for change. Mm -hmm. And for couples that can deal with that, they're going to get to a different place. And maybe that's to finally repair things they haven't dealt with. Or maybe it's recognizing they need to let each other go. But that ability to talk about it allows them to create change. They obviously both need change. The relationship, that the emotional bond between them is weak. It's threatened. It's, you know, it's on life support. Mm-hmm. So we, we it, this is a desperate moment. 
And if we can talk about it, we can do something with it. But if we can't talk about it, right, it just leads to this kind of distance and this just kind of slow death. And maybe we're being somber here because of what happened in Texas, right? Again, we could, this kid obviously had a lot of secrets. He had lots of things happening inside him that he didn't feel safe going to or sharing with anyone else. And we're left alone to battle demons, to kind of face these things on our own. I think it leads to some bad stuff. Right. We have to live, I think, in connection. And I think that's the problem with this secret about affairs is this person doesn't really live in full connection with their partner. And as a community, we have to live in connection, you know, so that this doesn't happen. I mean, we have to reach out to the kids around us, the the people that we see, the lonely people. I mean, we have to we have to be aware. I, Again, for me, Lori, secrets are they cause people to become selfish because you have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to, you you know. You're in a threat response. We talk about the yellow brain, right? We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to hurt others. We don't want to be seen badly. Like, you know, and our brain gets focused on ourselves and our own survival. Yeah. And if it's temporary, it's, you know, fine. We all do it. But when we get locked down in those states, it becomes all about our survival. That's not the best way of thriving. Mm-hmm. Right? So again, I, this somebody that's had an infidelity i'm not comparing to this texas shooter but i'm just saying it's the secrecy that leads to the selfishness that leads to the lack of empathy which leads to kind of doing things that we couldn't imagine so i'm sorry if we're coming across too sober but i i do think as as a community as as a as a world community like we need to stop isolating people with some dark secrets and, and mm-hmm. leaving them alone in pain because this is the stuff that really kind of shrinks the world and just makes it all about the person. That's right. I, I think this this terrorism, really domestic terrorism, I mean, this kid somehow or another had something inside. I mean, you know, sometimes people are psychotic, but it doesn't sound like this kid was psychotic. It sounds like he was buried in something terrible in his life. And and I know people say, well, that's, you know, too compassionate. You're you're calling the, the perpetrator a victim and somehow or another excusing it. I'm not. I'm just trying to understand it. And, yeah. you know, if he had had somebody maybe who had cared and he could have poured out whatever was so awful on the inside instead of taking it out on the world. I I just, I believe in that. I believe that we can connect to people. I believe that we can heal people just by being connected to them. Right. But what a selfish act to go out hoping people are going to talk about you because you've done something. I mean, that longing is still to be seen. We all want to be seen. They're just seen and they take power in a way to feel good about themselves at such a devastating cost, really. Yeah. And it's right to be angry about this and to feel that I'm angry. I, you know, I, I saw a list, George, on Facebook of all the school shootings 
that have happened since Columbine. It was just, I had to scroll through it. I mean, it was a huge long list. And one of the things that really struck me, I, I was up in the middle of the night, just couldn't sleep last night. And I was going through the list and one of my schools was on the list. Mm. You know, one of my own schools, I, I hadn't read it closely. I didn't even know about this shooting, but my own school, you know, was on the list. It's It happens everywhere. And, and that is, you know, makes us feel scared and makes us feel helpless and powerless. And I, I think... To get back the power, yes, we have to express the anger, but we also have to move. We have to do something with that righteous anger to mm-hmm. clean up the world in some way, to love the world in some way. I couldn't agree more. There's something wrong with our society that this keeps happening. There's something wrong. There's something going on within some of us that we need to understand better. We need to do a better job of kind of helping these people that go down these roads. You know, when I started off, I was like, I can't even understand how a person got there. You know, but even in this conversation, I'm starting to be like, well, we're not making any excuses. But if we could understand how that rage turns to selfishness, turns to expressions of power where they feel like they're going to be seen, then we could figure out things that we could do to kind of stop it before it happens. Yes. And that's what we need. We need our kids to be safer. Every kid has a right to go to school. Every parent has a right to know their kid's safe going to school. To carry around this shadow is just, just, just terrible. Yeah. I read something probably on Facebook. The, you know, sending love to the 22 mothers whose arms are empty today. Mm-hmm. And also the 8 million parents who are terrified today. You know. I mean, it's it's a huge problem. I, and I know there's political issues, but I think what we can control on a human level is, you know, just caring about your neighbor. Do something. Right. Don't well, get shut down. We send our condolences and, and prayers to the families and, you know, to the world that's just struggling with just more more negativity, more loss, more anxiety, more pain. Yes. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.